This is the Made It in Music podcast. I'm Seth Mosley, and this is show 129. Welcome to the podcast, where we bring you tools and resources to help you go full time in music and to stay in. The music business is a roller coaster ride, changing faster than any of us can pay attention to. We all need a competitive edge to stay ahead and to stay successful. What's working, what isn't, and what's coming? That's exactly what this show is all about. Back again with Full Circle Music, the Made It in Music podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to season two of the Made It Music podcast. We are so glad that so many of you have been loyal listeners of this podcast, and we really appreciate those of you who have been sharing this around. In this new chapter of Full Circle Music, we're more excited than ever about the idea of community and bringing you all, the listeners, together to collaborate and help sharpen each other. So, in case you haven't heard the news yet, I want to let you know about our new Facebook group. It's a community of those who are serious about making it in the music industry, and the members are really great about making industry connections, sharing feedback, encouraging each other when they're releasing music, and all that fun Facebook stuff. So if you've been struggling to find other like-minded musicians you can collaborate with, we would love to have you join the Facebook group. You can find it at fullcirclemusic.com slash group. That is fullcirclemusic.com slash group. So one of the most popular episodes that we've ever had on the Made It Music podcast has been with our pal Dustin Fennison, all the way back in episode 64. You can access that episode at madeitinmusic.com slash 64. The reason that the episode did so well is because he covered one of the topics that we know you, the listeners, care the most about, and that topic is Spotify. We've heard over and over from so many of you how Spotify can feel mysterious. Sometimes people seemingly blow up on Spotify overnight, and sometimes, for a lot of people, you're happy if you get just 100 streams. Well, we wanted to explore Spotify a little bit more and help you understand what it really takes to use Spotify to get your music to thousands and thousands of excited fans. So we brought in John Marks, the legend himself. John has a background in radio, but today he heads up country music programming for Spotify, and he has some amazing Spotify secrets to share. So let's not wait any longer, and let's get into this. Hi, this is Seth Mosley, and we are on the Made It in Music podcast, and I'm here in Franklin, Tennessee, at the Full Circle Music Studios with my friend John Marks of Spotify. Good afternoon, morning, evening, whatever time you're hearing, you viewing, never know. listening, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we live in studios all day, as I'm sure you have spent a lot of time in studios. Not like you, but yeah, I'm uh, I'm fortunate enough to be able to uh, spend a few minutes uh, yeah. every once in a while in a dark studio. It's kind of fun. Yeah, and you do, you don't know whether it's morning, night, or afternoon. So <laughs> it is so true. Um, so happy to have you here today, and I've just been so looking forward to this conversation. Not only as my own curiosity, I've just got so many questions, um, man, so many questions. But just have been you know, following your work for a long time and just so appreciate what you're doing at Spotify to champion country music and really just to expand the genre. So first of all, just thank you. I'll say you're welcome, but you know, it's it, everybody, a lot of people doing a lot of work and uh, yeah. I'm one of them. Love what I do every day. It's what gets me up in the morning. Yeah. Uh, I got a whole team of uh, people doing the same thing. Yeah. So good. So let me go way back in time and then I and then we'll kind of circle back around to nowadays and Spotify and everything that's happening but I want to zoom way back and, and ask what was the first moment that you can remember that music impacted your life and you knew that you wanted to pursue it long term uh, I know exactly that minute I was I don't know how old I was uh, I was a 
kid, little kid, child. And uh, I was at the YMCA on Saturday afternoon, swim, run in the gym, do all that stuff um, on the weekends, get out of the house. And uh, on the jukebox comes this. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, there you and go. I heard that riff from Oh Pretty Woman, and I said, son of a gun, what <laughs> is that? And I was hooked on music ever since. I probably was before, but I remember that moment like it was yesterday. Like, oh, my God, this is, wow. So it was and, a literal jukebox. And it was a literal jukebox, and uh, it just fueled my interest uh, in music from then to uh, current day. Yeah, and that took you... I imagine through many paths, but ultimately you ended up in radio. Can you tell me how that moment sort of led up to that? Like, why radio? Why was that the thing? Because I wasn't talented enough to sing, dance, or play an instrument <laughs> or write a song. <laughs> and uh, I realized that early on. Uh, it's like, who doesn't want to play a guitar and, you know, uh, all that stuff, right? I mean, that's just part of being a kid and, you know, want to be a rock and roll star. Everybody wants that little slice of life. But uh, I just realized early on I didn't have the talent, the stick-to-itiveness, the whatever it took to do that. Uh, and so not to say, well, what do I not have to work so hard at? It's exactly. not that. It's, uh, <laughs> but it was, you know, what can I do to be a part of the music industry, even though I can't functionally make music as such. And it kind of fed into radio kind of organically because I, I got started actually uh, in radio through my high school. So that kind of opened a, a door, a gateway, so to speak, to, to that uh, world and uh, I haven't looked back. That is awesome. Well, you obviously have the voice for it. <laughs> so what was that journey when you made the decision to jump into radio? Did mm -hmm. you how did you achieve that? How did you land your, you know, your first gig doing that? I will say that it wasn't a job or a gig. It was, you know, how I got in was uh, my local radio station had a junior achievement company. Mm -hmm. They would hire uh, students. You know, JA was about teaching entrepreneurship to children and uh, school-age children. And so I applied for the local radio station, uh, and, uh, and we sold, we produced, we wrote, we booked guests and created a one hour program every week on the local radio station. Mm. And uh, we did that week after week until uh, the company disbanded. And uh, I went and knocked on the door and asked for a job and they hired me. It was like, uh, I don't know if anybody else uh, asked for a job or not, but I did. And they put me right in. So it's uh, starting at 16, I was making my first paycheck, you know, being on the air uh, at my local radio station. That's a rare thing, and and that's in it was in Cincinnati, Ohio, right? Uh, Cincinnati area, Middletown, okay. Ohio, to be yep. exact. That was my uh, born and raised hometown. Yeah, WPFB in Middletown, Ohio. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm from around. Circleville, so just okay. just down the road from you. <laughs> exactly right. And I believe you you are familiar with the Pumpkin Show. I love the Pumpkin Show. <laughs> Haven't been back in ages. Well, it's a good good excuse. I'll I'll join you going there sometime. I want some pumpkin cheesecake, please. I know exactly. Started in Cincinnati. That that took you all the way out to San Diego. You were at a KSON out there, I believe. Yes, and. Um, 2007, I was a radioed, went to school, college, all that stuff, uh, worked at local radio stations, moved about here, there, and everywhere. Last you know, radio stop on the FM side was KSON in San Diego in 2003, legendary radio station. 
one of the first FM stations. I want to be correct on the stat or first country stations in the United States. Yeah. They, they have some distinguishing characteristic. They, they've been on the air since like 1964, mm. something like that. And so uh, legendary station, great country music station. And it was uh, it was a great experience. That's awesome. And, and that ultimately led you to Sirius XM, right? You said that was your last stop on the FM circuit. What was that like? I would just say it the way it is. I mean, FM radio wasn't challenging and fun anymore. I wasn't having a lot of fun. It was a little too repetitive, a little too rote in terms of what you did and how you went about it. And so it just wasn't very challenging and fulfilling, mm. you know. So we were saying, oh, we'll just go take a break and uh, mm. uh, we we're going to go down to Utah and uh, hang out with the grandkids for a little bit and, you know, catch a little chill time and had a random chance encounter uh, at country radio seminar with uh, with someone from Sirius XM. Mm. They said they were telling me, oh, they need somebody to look after their country properties. And they have like a 12 channels of all these kind of different uh, music forms that you can be involved with. And I said, really? Not just this one thing anymore? I can do 10 or 11 or more or whatever it is of country music, and I love all kinds of it. And so I went right after that. So uh, out went the vacation plans, and uh, <laughs> somehow or other, I got hired at Sirius XM and uh, moved to Nashville in 2010 to to work with them on their country properties. Mm. So it sounds like you've just been a fan of country music for a long time. You, you mentioned working on kind of you know one format to being able to have 10 to 12 different things. Was is am I hearing that correctly? Well, it's like I was. Raised, I was like, raised on country, uh, <laughs> but uh, I was raised on country music. Mom and dad from Kentucky and uh, and all of that. And country, bluegrass, southern gospel, black gospel, all of those forms of music from uh, the rural areas and, and industrial area where I was raised in Ohio, you know, that was kind of what people listened to. Yeah, and exactly. so... And so I, I feel like I was able to bring some depth to all of those forms at, uh, at Sirius XM. And so it's always been that way. But, you know, hey, I was a rock and roller, too. I wanted to, I wanted to play guitar like Eric Clapton or Hendrix or whoever it was at the time. And I, I went through my stuff with that, too. But just for some reason or another, country was always the tug. And, uh, and even in my college years, I, I focused on developing that. And I just kind of looked at it like... Well, you know, all these old DJs, you know, like Ralph Emery and Charlie Douglas and uh, whoever else was out there at the time. So I was looking at them and I was a college kid and I said, those guys have got to go away sometime so I can just slide right in there. Yeah, there you and go. So, <laughs> so I figured, and, and all the, at the rock and roll radio stations, there were kids my age, you know, having a blast and playing their music. And so I figured, well, you know, I'll age these guys out and, uh, and I'll have me a job that way. So at least I'll be on the air. That's really all I cared about at the time. Yeah. Well, funny enough, and interested to hear your opinion on this, I feel like country has become the place genre-wise where you know, the great guitar players live. And it's about, you know, in, in a lot of cases, it's, it's about rocking out. And like, probably the people who would have maybe wound up in rock bands 10, 20 years ago, like they're in country now. Because I don't know, is that, a, is that? Oh, that's why I'm chuckling. No, it's like, hey, I mean, it's like, you just kind of helped me realize, even though I kind of knew it, yeah. you know, uh, underneath us. Yeah, it's like, we're back to rock and roll, you yeah. know, in a, in a good way. I mean, it's yeah. like, they've taken elements of that and, and brought it into this music and broadened it and widened it. And I, I say hooray to that. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. So tell me about your transition from Sirius XM to now where you're at at Spotify. I love my experience at Sirius XM. It was fantastic. It uh, 
the people there taught me how to approach radio less from a local level, which had been my life. I mean, I'd been serving local market communities and and doing these things uh, from the Kroger market or wherever. Um, and, uh, and, you know, the experience at Sirius XM or the five years I was there showed me that uh, there's a lot, it's a big world yeah. out there and, uh, Sirius XM, uh, you know, is only like, I wouldn't say only, you know, that's a large audience, a large swath of country, United States and Canada. And it helped me think in a larger purpose, a larger frame, uh, in, in how music is exposed and how it's brought to listeners and consumers. And it really opened my eyes to that prospect and possibility of reaching a mass market with music and really never felt it the local level as I did, uh, at Sirius XM when, when I would have artists coming back to me and say, I don't have any radio airplay and man, they're singing every word to my songs and all this kind of stuff. And from Canada and from wherever'sville USA. And it was mind blowing to see and hear these stories. And, and it was just fantastic to hear. So it opened my eyes up to all of that. And it was just a great experience to have worked there. As I started moving out, you know, it's like my, my father was having health issues and, you know, I was having to go back and forth and it was easier to, to leave and manage that than, uh, you know, stay at Sirius XM and phone it in. So, so I left there to manage that and, uh, Spotify called me, uh, not soon after. And, uh, and it was one of the more interesting calls I've ever had, you know, because you know, I'd never thought of Spotify at all. And I said, that's a bunch of, you know, kids and, and code writers, you know, on, <laughs> on electric skateboards and stuff, you yeah, know, what do yeah. they want me for, you know? And so we kind of contemplated that idea for a minute and, uh, they were telling me about what they were looking to do with, uh, with their entertainment, uh, branding and all that. And it seemed like an interesting and fun challenge. And so, uh, so here we are, it's, uh, uh, all of those have been just really fantastic experiences and Spotify continues to be as well. Yeah, it's huge. So can you tell me having, having been there for a bit now, why is Spotify so important to the modern music industry? It's very simple. It's just the primary way to get music to your fans. You know, it's like uh, there are still other ways, of course, you know, the, the performing and downloads and all that. But, you know, people are uh, are consuming out of their devices now and uh, Spotify is right there with it. And I think that's uh, that's the number one reason. So can you talk about, I've heard you say this before, talk about Spotify as a, like the new retail storefront for artists. What do you, what do you mean when you say that? These days and times, I think artists, it's really one of the best opportunities to be an artist right now and moving forward. So uh, there are so many opportunities now that didn't exist even a couple of years ago, for that matter. Uh, You look at, you know, the path, which is, you know, find a manager do some demos, get a label, go on a radio tour, go on tour, you know, and that was a formula that was basically uh, and continues to be intact. And uh, but there are other ways now, thanks to digital Spotify and others, but to be able to do your own thing. It's like, as a matter of fact, it's a 
it's really a goal of Spotify is to have as many artists who are just making a living off of their streaming and building their business and their brand off of that and being able to own more of your own music. And so, you know, we're all kind of motivated in that same degree. And it starts with the uh, artist page because that's kind of the, the, let's call it the retail outlet for artists X and Y. On there, you can sell merch, have your tour dates, do your own playlists, you know, your songs are there. It's kind of like directing store traffic. So you bring your fans into your store, let them see what you're doing, make them familiar with the music that you're making that's new and whatever's happening with the band. And it's really one primary way to certainly activate your fans and, and with Spotify at the same time. And I think a lot of artists, just to reiterate again, a lot of people probably aren't even aware that, that some of these things are exist. Like you can sell your merch on the Spotify page. You can put your tour dates on the page. I assume that that's seeing some some pretty big traction and success with the artists who are taking advantage of it. Well, it's it's uh, one of those direct-to-the-consumer ideas, right? You know, it's like you can go and say, hey, you know, come to our place. You're right at home. Create awareness. Build that bond between listener, uh, fan, uh, band, artist, singer, whoever it is. And it's probably... Today, it's the most efficient way. You know, it's like you have a, at your availability, so you're the artist, uh, you have a worldwide audience at your disposal. You know, all you need to do is get creative and find ways to be able to tap into that. Mm. It's massive potential that when people, I would trust, start thinking about it, that, you know, it's like wherever a band's or artist's appeal is right now, coming from North Carolina or whatever, choose a state. Well, that's just the beginning. That's just the pinpoint on on a global backdrop that you can create for yourself. And are you seeing artists take advantage of the platform and the analytics that they get from a standpoint of, you know, let's say Raleigh, North Carolina is popping up big time as a Spotify consumption base. Are they going and doing a tour date there or, or doing a, an acoustic show or something for the fans in those markets? Or how is that working? Uh, short answer is yes. You know, it's like... Uh, uh, we've had a lot of people who say, yeah, I just planned my tour dates around, you know, the, the Spotify hotspots. And, um, uh, it's it's good thinking, I think. You know, there are you know there are the typical large cities that have the large populations, but uh, when you get into below that top three or four, you can start saying, "Hey, I've got some hot spots in these cities and can develop out from here." And when you when you look at that way of of developing artistry, you know, it, it kind of harkens back to uh, you know you're not old enough, but it's like back in the days in the '50s and '60s where that's what you did. You know, it's like you you took the box of forty fives and looked for a radio antenna and stopped by and uh, gave the uh, gave the disc away and tried to get it played and I think it's in a in a sense it's kind of like that now just in a more high tech way yeah that's you know it's, it just wasn't a random stop at a at a radio station but you can be more uh, designing and how you're going to approach uh, your 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 things like uh, tour building and building your base and building out from certain strong markets it's really a, a great tool if people choose to utilize it that's good so. We get questions from artists all the time asking about how they can best take advantage and make the most of the Spotify platform. So I want to dive into some some specifics under that if you're if you're cool to. Sure. The first thing, can you just speak to maybe making great music? Is that <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the number one rule. Yeah. I mean, it's like 
And of course, you know, everyone thinks their song is great, you know, so there is not a darn thing wrong with that. But it's really in the, it's, it's the court of public opinion who who I serve and most everyone at Spotify serves. It's, it doesn't matter uh, at the end of the day what I think or what the artist thinks in many respects. You know, it's going to, what's the consumer going to think when it gets to them, when it gets to their ears? And uh, whatever your definition is or my definition is, is doesn't really matter that much. It's whatever they think. And uh, it's always interesting to, to see how all that formulates out uh, in Spotify's data. And whatever that proverbial great song is, just make it. That's good. Scotty, it all starts with a song. It I think, all starts with the song, yeah, absolutely. I think so many people get caught up in the marketing and the algorithms and all this stuff and kind of a lot of times forget to make great music. So I'm, I'm I think you're right. glad that you're, you're uh, in agreement there. The other thing that I've heard you say is to put your music everywhere. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, well, you know, we're in a, a time of, you know, global consumption, real-time everything. It's no different for an artist today. And hey, you know, going back to proverbial North Carolina, it doesn't matter if your home base is North Carolina and that's where you know, you're playing in a couple of bars right now. You know, there's a worldwide uh, marketplace that's uh, waiting to hear your music. You need to be cognizant. All artists need to be cognizant of that case and not regionalize your music and make it available worldwide. Be ubiquitous. Be everywhere anybody can search for you. It would be wherever it is. Spotify, you know, other digital providers, other video digital providers, wherever the music can be played is where you ought to be mm. as an That's artist good. or seen. Yeah. Seen, heard, whatever, thought about. Yes. <laughs> Anywhere yes. you can be. Yeah, I love it. So let's talk about social media. What role should that play in as it relates to Spotify and promoting Spotify, but also just in the larger music business for an artist in general? It's the most essential ingredient ever. And that is all there is to it. And all of those methods will ebb and flow. You know, it's this week is platform A, it'll be platform B. But that's how people get the word about your music too, about where it is at Spotify is all through social media. It's where you can sell, especially as a fledgling artist and an arena artist, a stadium artist, sell tickets. Mm. All of those things are, are probably uh, more possible now thanks to social media. I mean, you know, nobody's watching. Oh, I shouldn't say nobody. There's still plenty of people yeah. watching wired TV, cable sure. TV. I'm still one of them. <laughs> uh, but it's like those TV commercials don't sell tickets anymore. Sorry, TV. Yeah. Or any other commercials and other traditional medias. You know, I just cover all the bases. It's yeah. uh, it's uh, about fans communicating with fans. It comes through the social media. It comes through Spotify. It comes to the artist page. All that is kind of a feedback mechanism to to go back and forth. Hey, we just uh, we just recorded a track, uh, an acoustic track you know, from our new album. Go check mm-hmm. it out. Instagram over to Spotify, check it out, come back and say, hey, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a good way to not only provide feedback, but awareness and consumption, which is the ultimate objective. Yeah, that's great. So artists should be using their social media platforms to drive consumption on, on platforms like Spotify, correct? Is that, what, what are some best practices? Like what are some things that you see working that artists are doing to get people you know, to Spotify from social media? It is three fundamental premises, save, share, follow. Mm. You know, it's like, hey, uh, fans, save me to your personal playlist. Save my song to your personal playlist. 
share my music with your friends, follow me as an artist. And those three things in creative, fun, and interesting ways can build following, build consumption, uh, all on Spotify through the socials. And uh, there are plenty of other people who have better ideas that specialize in that. But when I'm talking about, you know, basic one-on-one kind of stuff, that's uh, that's where you start. Yeah, so save, share, follow, SSF. That's there easy to remember. I love it. That's, <laughs> that's great, all you got to do. Great tip. That's I, it. That's everything. Well, I think, I think that's really helpful because a yeah. lot of people just think of posting their whatever, the smart URL or the link to the music, but don't mm-hmm. necessarily think, okay, what if I created a social post that encouraged people not necessarily to save this song, but like just follow my page in general? Absolutely. So you're following the artist really helps to, it's not everything, but it uh, leads into algorithmic choices for release radar, discover weekly all those things. So there are a lot of other areas beyond a fan punching a button on a song. It also feeds into algorithms inside Spotify that gets you uh, outside of genre uh, consideration and play and also the algorithmic driven playlists in general. It's mm, good. Can you talk a little bit about um, maybe vertical videos? Uh, how, how important are they on the platform? And are there any new developments that artists should be kind of aware of? The vertical videos have been really popular and well responded to. I'm happy to say I was a little nervous about it because any kind of change like that is uh, to a listening experience is is pretty dramatic. Uh, and but it's been uh, responded to uh, very positively, and uh, we're getting more uh, requests for submissions than we ever have. It's turned into a very popular. Uh, an essential ingredient, you know, in particular on the Hot Country playlist. And we're also uh, doing it on New Boots and looking for ways to expand it. So it's done very well. It was a format when we started early on that people were wondering about. And uh, and now it's been adopted as more of a conventional technique. You know, it's like uh, Instagram now. And, and I even see television commercials, what little I see of it, you know, sometimes in vertical. So it's becoming more of a... Uh, a utilized thing. And, and it's really for Spotify because, you know, when you listen to your music, you're listening on your phone and it's a vertical experience. And so the video uh, should be the same thing. And that's kind of what drove Spotify to that decision, uh, rightfully so. It's designed to be more of a one-on-one experience as opposed to a widescreen, yeah. bigger-than-life experience. It's about, you know, let me look at Seth uh, one-on-one close up. Let me see what uh, what he looks like, what he sounds like. You know, and, and those, I think, are the ones right now that are that are responding uh, the best, and it's uh, and it's more like, hey, you're FaceTiming a friend. And as far as artists creating them, I mean, is it the type of thing that you kind of want to see what songs work and gain traction, or is that something artists should be proactive about on the front end? Yes, to both. I think you know it, it depends on where you are in the spectrum. You know, it's like if you're a struggling artist and trying to make ends meet, you know, and say, hey, what about a vertical? I'll suggest uh, that they they wait on an expenditure until we see if there's something in the song, mm-hmm. and if there is, then maybe it's worth you know it's it's a business decision they have to make. But after seeing that there's some possibility there, then we can come back to them and say maybe it's worth considering a video. Yeah, and I don't want to ever send somebody out like that sure. where where it's not likely to work. But you know, a lot of times we will get vertical videos with the songs. So mm-hmm. uh, some people want to do it that way. Other 
producers want to do the song and then release the video a little later. It's it's kind of like uh, how it works in, in regular video right now. But I like having as much as possible, like having the videos together. Mm. I think it just creates impact. But, meaning, but sometimes... Meaning when they send the song <clears throat> to send it with... Uh, perhaps, video? yeah. I'm, I'm only saying perhaps there. Sure. I'll say in close proximity, sometimes licensing and other things get in the way of that. So it's just sometimes it's not a practical idea. But I like having them in, you know, it's like uh, in, in the high impact areas, I like having them together. I think it, it just makes more noise. Sure, that's good. Yeah. And I've heard that there is a... Maybe a new thing, perhaps in the works. Something canvas is that the is that the new tool? Uh, yes, you're informed, sir. Hey, okay. <laughs> keep my ear to the ground just, on these uh, things. But canvas is in beta right now, and uh, it's an it's an interesting idea, uh, and it it kind of goes into Spotify's idea of of artists controlling, you know, their lives, their businesses, their uh, their consumption and whatever. Uh, and it's these uh, eight-second little gifts that the artists can post and attach to their music. And so uh, you can have one or you can have several, I guess. Uh, it's in beta right now, uh, and uh, it's not uh, in massive uh, production, but I figure it will be at some point in time where an artist can go to their uh, artist page at artist.spotify.com and uh, upload a GIF onto their current song, and it's there. Uh, you know, it's uh, they can do it, they can control it, they can change it as often as they want or never. Uh, and uh, so it gives them an element of control uh, on, on the music that they're putting out. It's good. More I love elements it. Well, of control. We'll, we'll look forward to uh, hearing and seeing more about that as it progresses and picks up on the platform. Likewise. Um, as we're kind of rounding off the conversation, what are a few things that you see artists maybe doing wrong when trying to, you know, grow on Spotify? Are there any, you know, we talk about best practices. Are there any don't do these things that you've seen? Well, you know, it's like I, I want to have T-shirts made, and it's just like it's 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 more of an inside joke industry. It's like playlisting is not a plan. That's the thing, I, and uh, and I get it. <laughs> playlisting is turbo fuel, you know, to a song. Uh, I understand, you know, not everything. Uh, life itself does not uh, rest on getting playlisted. And I think that's the, the thing people need to, uh, in broad general terms, understand that, you know, because I, I hear it all the time, if I could only get on the playlist. And I said, well, that's that's just one element of many, many things <laughs> that have to occur uh, in order for you to develop as an artist. And and there may be several things in place that, that haven't been looked at yet. And so I think that, uh, you know, kind of going back to, you know, recording that great music and you know, having some social presence and all of those kind of things, people need to understand that they, you know, they need to have a bit of a process in, in the brand that they're building uh, as an artist, who they are, and all of these things. And then when all that comes together and then you record that great music, then perhaps you're ready for playlisting. But, uh, but I think that's the one misnomer. And, you know, it's like getting played on massive radio stations, right? So I understand it, but you know, it's like not everybody's ready for that, you know, at perhaps a moment they may think they are. And that's a tough conversation. It uh, is. Yeah. So should artists be, and this is, this is a little bit of a sidebar, but just one I'm, I'm interested to know, and I'm sure a lot of other people are as well too, should artists be using the Spotify ad platform to promote their music? 
as a company man, I'll say yes. Uh, it's like, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and uh, in truth, I, I really, uh, that is not an area of my expertise. Yeah. Uh, so I can't speak to it. I know many people who have used it with some degrees of satisfaction. But beyond that, yeah, I don't know. That's a good, that's a good fair answer. Very fair answer. Um, what about are there people that are nowadays using this as using Spotify as a research tool in terms of just you know putting songs up, seeing how different ones react? Is that a, is that happening, and is that a good idea? It has happened. Uh, it happens with varying degrees of regularity from time to time. So, yes, I encourage it, actually. Uh, I think it depends on do you really want to know the answer to the question? (laughs) And so, you know, sometimes people want and some people say they do and they don't really. So I think it just depends on and I think a lot of people uh, don't want to roll the dice and they just kind of have their faith in their music and proceed forward, which I'm appreciative of. But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it can be a mixed blessing. So, uh, but, uh, but I always say, you know, let's give it a try and uh, let's do some stealth uh, you know, work on the song, put it in, see how it works, and put our heads together on, you know, what happened and didn't happen. You know, from a data perspective, uh, I encourage it from uh, from anyone who wants to give it a whirl within reason, of course. You know, sure. uh, labels have done it. You know, a lot of independent artists have done it. Getting ready to embark on a on an interesting thing with an artist over the next month or so, two months, where we're going to research like four or five songs. I won't go into detail and put them in similar scenarios and see which of the five do the best out of all five. So it's like you're getting people who are creative about it and really want to use it as a tool, others who may or may not want to. So it's it's an interesting mix. That's fascinating. And I would have to imagine that, you know, I mean, we're making decisions more based off of data than just gut reactions or gut gut decisions, which I guess there's probably good and bad to that. But can you talk about what are, you know, what are some of the data points that people not, might not be aware of? Like, how do we know if a song's working or not working? We have some internal figures that we look at, but uh, things that most people can see are, you know, skips, uh, complete ratio, uh, saves, you know, those are fairly easy to see, probably, <clears throat> if not on the artist page, in the uh, you know, artist page. Sure. Uh, so you can kind of see those stats, and we have a couple of other things that we look at. And there are about, you know, among others, about five things like that, you know, that, uh, that we'll see to, you know, to look at the reactivity of the song. Passion uh, is uh, is like lean forward. Are you really le- leaning into the song, or are you not? So we're we're able to look at those things through our data internally. But skips are also a big part of it. Complete ratio saves uh, indicates passion. Those are those are some primary indicators right there. Mm, that's that's fascinating. I don't want to dwell on it terribly long, but I do feel like it's important to address purely, you know, a little bit from selfish motivation. I, I am. Married to a woman, I have two daughters. I am so passionate about helping empower women in the music business, as I know you are too. Can you mm-hmm. speak to maybe some of the ongoing just frustrations, I, I guess is the best way to say it, right, with with women trying to break in to the country format in, in particular? You know, it's uh, it, <laughs> there is no denying it's uh, it's a question. It's a uh, it's uh, it needs a solution. Uh, if uh, anybody has one, raise their hand. It's one of those things where it's a it's a question without one right now. I think that 
you know, there's uh, certainly at Spotify and in the country space in general, you know, we get out front of, uh, uh, of female talent. Uh, I'd probably have to say better than anyone out there right now. Uh, and if there's somebody better, I'd happily accept that. You know, that would be fantastic. Sure, yeah. uh, you know, and uh, and so if I don't know about it, then, hey, let me know and we'll be partners. But it, it's really how can we unlock that combination, whatever that combination is for the female talent out there? If I had the answer, I'd be talking to you right now for my private island. Sure. You know, but it's like, <laughs> but here we are. Sure. Uh, but uh, but it's a it's a fascinating question. Uh, all we can do. Uh, as music people and editorial people right now, is to find talent that's uh, worth exposing, give them an opportunity to be heard, and let the consumers decide. At the end of the day, yeah, you know, as a tastemaker or a curator, you you can't, yeah, you can never dictate those things. Exactly. You can't tell what uh, people are going to like or not like. Uh, It's like, and, uh, um, you know, it's, uh, it is a, it is a bit of a dilemma, you know, and, uh, and, you know, all, all I do is hope that, you know, somewhere along the line, and we're beginning to see some of that, we're going to start seeing, uh, some females who are in the, in kind of an undiscovered category, hopefully start bubbling up to the top and, uh, and, you know, somebody will crack the code. It's good. So as we're rounding out the conversation, before we get into our lightning round, I just want to do a little bit of future casting, and, and you can decline to answer this question if you want, but it's 2025. What does Spotify look like? Let me get Daniel Eck on the phone, please. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, uh, I think it's going to be, and it's already happening that way, it's going to be, it's not going to be Netflix, but it will we'll have plenty of, uh, of video content. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to be as Spotify, let's call it uh, an audio provider, a number one audio provider, you know, with podcasts, that's, that's a big priority for us in, in 2019 and beyond. And I think Spotify is going to look just like that, going to be uh, a massive audio provider in, uh, in maybe ways that uh, I can't even contemplate right now. Mm. And uh, I think the videos are going to play a continued role on that. And, but I don't know if we'll go into series TV or not. You know, that's a Daniel question. So right, <laughs> right, exactly. But uh, I'm not sure what the plans are there. But, you know, video will continue to be uh, a part of that as well. But, uh, you know, we're making a serious push into all things audio. I love it. Love it. Well, uh, are you ready for the lightning round? Lightning round. I'm ready. Strap me in, coach. Here we go. We're going rapid fire. <laughs> Number one, is there a song on Spotify and again, you can decline to answer this if you want to, being in your position. Is there a song on Spotify that surprised you with how well it did? Yes, I think in a uh, in a number of different ways. Uh, uh, over the years, uh, I've I've been known to frequent the Palm Restaurant in Nashville, Tennessee, right across from the Bridgestone Arena. For those not in town, yep. very much a regular there. Have been, always will be. Over my years at the Palm, server friend would wait on us over the years. And one day on my way out, palms me a CD. <laughs> and um, I have known this guy, uh, a gentleman, Austin Burke, for a few years. I've never whispered a word about you know uh, him being an artist. And one day he sits me over with a CD. He's got this song he's getting ready to release called Sleeping Around. I said, hmm, all right, played it. It's not bad. It's all right, you know? Yeah. Okay. Give the kid a shot, you know. I was like, we'll see what happens. 
You know, I was like, and wasn't expecting anything. And son of a gun, if that song doesn't have, it's got millions of streams. Yeah. I don't know what the count is. It's yeah. a look it up, Sleeping Around by Austin Burke. He followed it up with a song called Woke Up in Love that also killed it on Spotify. Mm. And it's, uh, you know, gotten his uh, touring and uh, record label prospects and all those things uh, in higher gear. So uh, so that one surprised me in a very great way and a fun way and a happy way. Well, that's great to hear. That it's worked well for him, yes. Awesome. Second question uh, in the lightning round. Do you have a top goal for this next year? Yes. I want to see the international consumption of country music outside of the United States and Canada to continue to grow. It is increasing in popularity uh, in unexpected markets like Germany, the Nordics, other places of the world. Uh, it's up 17% this year. I want to do more next year. It's important to get country music out to the world. It's perceived as a U.S. product and needs to be perceived as a global one. And that's my primary objective. I love it. Good goal. Uh, third question. Favorite city that working in music has taken you to anywhere in the world? <laughs> okay. I Yes. Sydney, Australia. Sydney was one of the most jaw-dropping, eye-opening beautiful cities I've ever seen. And I haven't been out much, but Sydney, Australia, you know, I would, I would move there <laughs> in a second. It's nice there, yeah. I'd move there in a second. So nice. I love it. Um, <laughs> Not okay. this second. Yes, exactly. So at some point in the future, maybe. We'll see. Um, third question. Are you allowed to have a favorite artist? You know, I don't allow myself, but, you know, there are some obvious favorites that you know, I will or won't mention, but it's yeah. like, uh, but I, the, the God's honest truth crossed my heart. You know, I'm emotionally, anybody you see on my playlists and country playlists in Spotify, I'm emotionally invested in. Mm. I want to see all of them do well. I know what a place in those playlists mean, and I take it as seriously as they do. And my only objective is to see all of them be successful. Mm. That's good. That, that is a good answer. And then last question, what was the first concert that you ever went to? <laughs> this is really going to set me back. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, sure, why not? It was Dayton's Hera Arena. I didn't drive yet. My father had to drive us to and from the uh, concert, me and a friend. Uh, it was, look them up. I guess they're still out there somewhere. Haystacks Balboa was the Children of Heaven you know, something or other. They had a song out back then. It was on album radio. Rod Stewart and the Faces when Ronnie Wood still played guitar for the Small Faces. And Eric Burden and War was the headliner. Spill mm. the Wine, when they had Spill the Wine. That was before the War's solo yeah. stuff. Awesome. There you go. Hey, I love it. I love it. So as we're <laughs> as we're closing out, I know I know a lot of people, you know, you're a busy man. You're you know, helping to curate really a lot of a lot of the future of country music, and and a lot of people I'm sure are you know just begging to to be able to get a coffee with you, but obviously that's not going to be the case for for a lot of people out there, especially people just starting out. What is the best way that you can suggest you know artists uh, to get noticed, to get heard, whether it's by you, whether it's by right. any other any of the other curators? It's really simple and true is, uh, again, through the artist page is the new music submission system that Spotify has instituted. You know, it's uh, probably 
the most democratic way possible to get your music in the hands of all the music editors and, and curators that are out there. Uh, everyone can see it. Everyone can listen to it. It's all in one place, so it's nice and neat and eliminates the need for phone calls and other things. You know, how uh, an artist fills out that form is going to be directly proportional to who it gets in front of. So don't be lazy. Fill out the entire form. Uh, but uh, that's really uh, the most efficient way to do it. Your your songs and music uh, will get out in front of everyone, and we can, we can see everything coming up. I love it. Um, so closing out, are there any pieces of, or is there a piece of parting advice, parting wisdom, anything you'd like to leave with, with our uh, listeners? It's a business. Work to be profitable. You know, it's uh, work to have fun uh, and uh, understand you're building a business. It's great. Well, John, thank you so much for being here with us on the Made It in Music podcast. It's my pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. All right, hopefully you enjoyed that interview with John Marks. Unfortunately, we didn't have enough time to get a deep dive with him in the studio that day, but we did actually do something else for the deep dive instead. So we had Seth and Stacy record some of their own lessons from Spotify on getting Matt Hammett to over 6 million streams on the platform. So if you would like to dig a little bit deeper into Spotify and discover some of the lessons that our team has been discovering on the platform, make sure you get access to those by going to madeitinmusic.com. That's madeitinmusic.com. And you can get access to the deep dives right there on the homepage. You can also access the show notes and resources for this episode at madeitinmusic.com slash 129. I also want to go ahead and take a quick moment to give a shout out to Matt Hammett. He has been crushing it on Spotify, and we want to leave you with one of his newest songs with over 900,000 total streams so far. This is Footprints. Things are what they seem. Sometimes there's more than what we see. Like that poem that I used to hear hanging around everywhere. I used to write it all just to picture on the in the sand.